Hello and welcome to Property Money Trees, Maximising Property Values, the once a month show where I break down the steps of how to recognise, enhance and then extract the values in property in order to create wealth. Would you like to find out how you can benefit from the steps of maximising property values? This is even if you don't own a property yet or have a deposit. If that's a yes, then you're in the right place to find out. My name is Patricia Ogunfaber, and although many know me for my work as a solicitor, on this show you will be getting the benefit of my 30 plus years worth of experience of maximising property values, experience which has given me a net worth in millions. So who might benefit from listening to this show? Literally anyone with an interest in creating property wealth. Welcome back. So today I'm going to be talking about part two of how people can start a property business for not very much. Remember last month I was talking about deal sourcing where people could actually start a deal sourcing business for less than a thousand pounds okay and a lot of hard work but who knows anything really good that has come without any effort. And also, do you know, the more effort you put into your business, the more you're actually going to enjoy the rewards when they come, because the only guarantee to success is hard work. Hard work. If you work hard enough and you're onto a good thing, it's only going to be a matter of time. Anyway, that's what I believe. So today I'm going to be talking about rent to rent. Now, I'm not an expert at rent to rent, not by any stretch of the imagination. So anyone who's interested in rent to rent should really, and this is my advice, whatever you're doing, find someone who is an expert in that area, who's done it before, who knows what they're doing, become their mentee, at least for your first transaction. Let them walk you through the transaction and you will pick up so much. You will learn so much and it will put you in very good stead for you to be able to do this for yourself on your own going forward. With that out of the way, let me now begin. So what is rent to rent? Rent to rent is literally where you go and you rent a property and then you rent it out to somebody else. Why would you do this? You would do this if what you're paying to your landlord is less than what your tenants are paying to you. So the difference between those two sums will be the money that you will use to maintain the property, to make sure that you're complying with all of the things that you've agreed with your landlord that you will do with the property and your profit. So if you need just, let's say, um, £100 a month extra in your pocket, you'd probably want a rent to rent if you're going down this road. That will bring you around about, I'd say, 120, because the 20 then could go towards expenses and 
other things that you have to do. And then you've got your £100 in your pocket. If you find a rent to rent deal that only gets you £100, obviously you'd be skating on thin ice because if anything were to go wrong or you had like voids, you know, for longer than you've anticipated for, then you may well be in a loss situation. You might not make any money. So it's so important that you get the right deal and you know what you can do with that property. Hence the maximising property tips that have come in the previous podcasts. Okay, it won't be your property, fine, but you can still take the principles in these previous podcasts and apply them to this property to make sure that you are getting the maximum amount of rent that you can get from the property. Sometimes that might not be the best thing for you to do because if you need to spend a lot of money in order to bring it up to the standard that will get you a lot of rent, it's not your property. Would you want to do that? You know, maybe you would. I certainly wouldn't. So, you know, with rent to rent, it may well be that you can't kind of like, you know, push things to the limits like I tend to, but there's always a whole gulf between what no doubt, you know, your prospective landlord is earning at the moment and the top rents, which normally would be what I would be getting if that property were mine and I was renting it out. So anywhere in the middle could be the right place for you because one, you don't want to spend too much money on somebody else's property unless you're sure that you're going to get that money back. If you're going to be spending a lot of money and, you know, what is a lot? How long is a piece of string? Then you need to make sure that you have the rights to carry on renting that property for a long period of time, because otherwise you're not going to make your money back. You're just not going to make that money back. So that is something that you need to bear in mind. Now, you might be thinking right now, why would I want to enter into a long rent to rent contract? What if it doesn't work out? So this is what you do. When you are agreeing the deal with the landlord, you put in perhaps a couple of one way break clauses So these are break clauses that only you can exercise. So if you're going to spend a lot of money, if I were you, what I would do is this. I'd go into it without spending a lot of money and I'd have a break clause at, say, month 12, which is at the end of year one. By that time, you would know whether or not that property can work for rent to rent. Now, if it does work for rent to rent, you may then want to have another break clause, maybe like, you know, a couple of years later or three years later. And then you spend maybe if the property has five rooms, let's say you revamp two of them. And then again, you see how that goes. This really is just based on what a whole number of decades in the property market kind of like teaches you that sometimes 
you may not know what is going to happen until it actually happens. You can guess, you can, you know, you can put things down in writing, you know, your software can tell you this, they can tell you that. And what that does is give you an indication of what things are likely to be. It doesn't guarantee that those figures are actually going to materialise. The only way that you can do that is actually by walking the walk. So you want to protect yourself whilst you are doing the walk, hence the couple of break clauses. Now, if you revamp, let's say, two of the um, five rooms um, that we're using in this example, and they work fantastically for you, then you know what to do with the remaining three. And if they don't work, but it worked for you before you revamped the two rooms, then you know what to do again. You're not going to touch the other three rooms. So it could be a matter of trial and error. But what you have to do, whatever you do, is make sure that you protect yourself. Think about the worst case scenario and then you plan for it. So, so what do you need to do in order to start a rent to rent business? First of all, you need to find a willing landlord who is going to give their property to you. Who might these people be? Let me just throw out a few types of landlords who would be more receptive to um, entering into this sort of arrangement with you. Older landlords, so people who've been in the game for decades, are probably quite fed up now because of all the legislation that has come in over the last sort of like, you know, 10 years, less than 10 years even, all the tax problems, especially, you know, for people who are higher rate taxpayers, they're probably quite fed up. However, for a lot of them, it's not just as easy as them putting their properties on the market. And why not? Because they probably bought these properties a long, long time ago. And if they put them on the market and sell them, they're going to be facing very, very big capital gains tax bills. And they might not want this. So you've got that category of person. Then you've also got people who've gone into being a landlord, but they're still in a full-time job that they absolutely love. Now, if that's the case, they might not be able to rent out their properties in the way that is best for them. If they're using a managing agent, they might not be happy with the service that they're getting. Also, that person isn't guaranteeing their rents, is not giving them the assurance that come what may, rain or shine, they're going to get an amount by way of rent in their account every month. Now, you as a rent to renter will offer them this. So why would they not want to deal with you? How about people who've got so many properties on their hands, but they 
don't know what to do with the properties that they have. They are not maximising the values of their rents. They might be interested, again, in dealing with you because they're not maximising their rents. They're dealing with voids. They're paying somebody to, to, to manage the property for them. But if you come along, you can offer them a solution to the problems that they're facing. So first of all, you need to find people with problems. You need to find people who are not happy with what they're doing right now. And then once you find those people, you can offer them a solution because you're only going into this because you're serious about it, because you want to build your business around this particular way of dealing with and making money from property. You are going to be a true and professional rent-to-renter. Now, a lot of rent-to-rent people do not stay in this space forever. They build up a, a, a pot of capital and then they start to buy their own. That could be you. But then I also know people who started by buying their own, ran out of money, and they're now adding rent to rents to their portfolio in order to increase their cash flow. It doesn't matter what you do, as long as you're making money, you're doing it ethically, you're doing it legally. So how can you find these older landlords? You know, People say it all the time, all the time. Talk to people, let people know what you're doing, let people know what you're after. Then you might begin to get things coming through. And sometimes, do you know what? You might be talking to people for months and nothing happens. But then once people get used to you, once people decide that perhaps you're trustworthy, that perhaps you know what you're doing, you'll be surprised because what you've been looking for will suddenly start to trickle through. So that's one way. Another way, especially if you want to go into the rent to rent HMO market, is direct to vendor letters. So how do you find these How do you find them? Now, there is a very, very good website called whatdotheyknow.com. Whatdotheyknow.com. If you go onto that website, obviously, well, maybe not obviously, but before you start this, you should have worked out what area you're going to cover because there's no point you thinking about doing a rent to rent and doing one in, let's say, Liverpool and doing yet another one in Brighton. Because in order to do that, you will need to employ a managing agent. But that's what you are as a rent to renter, a managing agent. Otherwise, you're not going to be making hardly any money. Anyway, so you would have worked out what area you're interested in. So let's say you're interested in Croydon, which is where I am, 
when you go to whatdotheyknow.com, you type Croydon HMO into the search box. And then what you do is you will be fed a number of freedom of information requests and the answers to them. They will all be on there. So you look for one where the uh, request relates to the HMO register held by the council and then you click on the answer where the council has provided that list. Now, that list will detail all the HMOs in the borough. It will say the number of uh, rooms it has, when it was licensed, the address, the name um, of the manager uh, 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 and all of that information. That is what you need. You need, you need the name and the address of the manager and that will be on that uh, document that you will be able to download from whatdotheyknow.com. Then you can go through that list right to the people there. But before you write to anyone, you would have set yourself up properly. So how do you do this? So it's hold that thought. I'm going to come back to this just so that people are not mistaken and they're not confused. So if you're going to be doing this, if I was doing this, I would set up a company. It's so easy to form a company. Form it in the right way. If you don't know what you're doing, ask for advice. You can form a company for as little as £9.99. And um, I often, well, not often, but um, I've done a room on Clubhouse where I told people how to do this. Um, Reach out if you need assistance with this um, or you need to know where to go. Uh, Not a problem whatsoever. So just DM me on Instagram at Property Money Tree or email me Patricia at PropertyMoneyTree.co.uk. So you form your company. You register with the um, ICO, Information Commissioner's Office, um, and that is £40 a year. If you pay by direct debit, it's £35 it's very, very straightforward. Just Google ICO and, you know, register yourself. You you need to do this before you start to write direct to vendor letters. You definitely need to do this because the minute you start to write these letters, you are processing information. And if you do so without being registered, then you will be in breach of the law. Also, you want to register with a property ombudsman. And the one that um, I use is the PRS, the Property Redress Scheme. So it's it's so easy to register with them. You know, a lot of property people register with them or you can register with um, the Property Ombudsman, um, which is another redress system. Um, right. So in, in terms of the direct to vendor letters, it, particularly on the HMO front, which you will get from whatdotheyknow.com. Is it lawful for you to actually use this information? Is it lawful for you to contact the people on the register, you know, for the purposes of your business? The simple answer is, I believe so. 
HMO registers are compiled by local authorities by virtue of section 232 of the Housing Act 2004. So you can go and look that up if you want to, <laughs> um, but I wouldn't bother. Anyway, um, and that section says that local authorities must compile this register. They must make the register available to the public. They may charge for it. That's not a problem. But the register must be in a particular format. So it must contain prescribed information. So that would be the property, the address, the manager, the manager's address. Those things must be there. And then, you know, whatever else is in the register, the local authority has discretion as to what those things may be but they have no discretion regarding the prescribed information so that prescribed information is what you will find in the HMO registers of you know all the local authorities then we run into the issue of the general data protection regulations GDPR the GDPR in Article 6 says that you can only process that sort of information, somebody's data, personal data. Personal data is any data, any information where you can actually identify a person. So obviously, if you've got a name and address, you can. If you're using it, you're processing. Simple. So Article 6 says you can only do that for one or more of six reasons that are listed in Article 6 of the GDPR. Now, I'm not going to go over all of them because only one of them is actually relevant. And that is the last one, number six, the sixth one, legitimate interest. Now, you can process somebody's data for your legitimate interests as long as the subject's interests do not override yours. Meaning, is there any particular reason why you should not be processing this data? Does the person have a right to privacy, let's say, a right for you to not use, you know, that information? So this is where there is a little bit of a grey area. Whose interests actually take precedence? Now, we also have some help. And that is contained in recital 47, recital 47 of the GDPR. And what that says is that using information for direct marketing purposes can be considered to be using it for a legitimate interest. So there you have it. Sometimes things that seem so straightforward may not be that straightforward. But as long as you know what you're doing and why you're doing it, then do you know what? You are winning. Anyway, the last thing that I'll say regarding rent to rent is you also want to have insurance, adequate insurance. So public liability insurance, insurance to protect, you know, the people in the property, you know, speak to an insurance broker, speak to an insurance broker and make sure that you have the insurance that you need to protect yourself and to protect people should things go wrong, because things can go wrong. And, you know, what I will just say, you know, enjoy um, 
you know, do your due diligence, make sure that, you know, the landlord's mortgage allows for what you are, you are proposing to happen so that, you know, nothing is being breached. Um, and, you know, and also make sure I would, if I were you, I'd, I'd get the landlord in the agreement to actually give me a personal guarantee. Because if, for instance, they decide to sell, but you've invested a lot of money in that property. You want to make sure that you are going to be compensated. So I'd make sure that that goes into the agreements that you have with the landlord, as well as all the other things like, you know, the rent you're going to pay, who's going to be responsible for this, who's going to be responsible for that, what um, of the maintenance you are going to take on board and do yourself, as opposed to going back to the landlord, all of those things and all the very, 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 very best. You know, like I say, if you really want to do this, find someone who does it all the time, you know, go and become a mentee to them. Let them walk you through your first transaction. But you can do and you can start a rent to rent business for not very much money at all. You know, you don't have to have thousands and thousands and thousands in order to start making money from property. And so the only other thing that you need to think about in terms of your costs of starting your rent to rent business will be the deposit that you pay to your landlord. Um, And that, again, is a matter of negotiation. Some people will say they don't pay anything by way of deposit, but you're not going to get that if you are a newbie and you don't have a track record that the landlord can actually access independently. Some people will only pay a month's rent, just as any tenant um, with an AST um, would be required to pay. Um, It really is a question of what you agree with your landlord. That's your rent to rent. However, What some people do is they combine the rent to rent with an option to actually buy that property in the future. And that is often referred to as a purchase lease option. Now, I went through this in one of the secure podcasts. So if you go back, it will either be episode two or three. Um, I dealt with that in depth. So don't want to deal with that in any great length today. But the main differences between an ordinary rent to rent and a purchase lease option is that for an ordinary rent to rent, you're going to be renting the property from the landlord. So that could be, you know, a standard lease, you know, with all of the terms, you know, in that lease. And with a purchase lease option, you're going to actually have in some cases, three documents, three contracts, your lease, an option to purchase at a future date at a price that you agree today. So that's one of the one of the magnificent things about purchase lease options. And then you will also have your management agreement. So the management agreement will set out who does what in the property, like I've already said, who pays for what um, and how the relationship is literally going to be dealt with in terms of you managing that property. Again, you know, do make sure that, you know, everything is done legally, it's done ethically. Um, you you make sure that the mortgage company is on board with this um, and 
you know, hopefully it will all go fine. And I'm going to repeat what I said at the very, very beginning of this podcast, which is if you're thinking about doing this, find someone who's done it before, who's got experience, who's successful at this and get them to walk you through at the very, very least your first transaction. So whatever you do, all the very best. You know, I hope it's going to be amazing for you, but there's no reason why it can't be. There's no reason why it shouldn't be. Thank you for joining me today. And I hope that at the very least, you have found the talk thought-provoking. If you enjoyed the show, please do subscribe. In any event, please do rate and review the episode because it would be great to read your feedback. Thank you very much. And hopefully see you next month.